this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are wrapping up our mini three-part romantic comedy celebration with a discussion about the classic romantic comedy from the 80s, When Harry Met Sally. And I don't think I need to explain what this movie is about, because if you don't know what this movie is about, I don't know where you have been for the last, like, 40, oh my gosh, yes, it is 40 years. It's like, oh my gosh. Right? Isn't it like about for yes. the eighties? So oh my gosh! Okay, maybe thirty-five. I don't uh, know. Too I many. wish I hadn't. <laughs> I wish I hadn't said that. Now I'm like depressed. <laughs> but yes, this is you know this is a classic written by Nora Ephron, directed by Rob Reiner, starring Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, and of course it's the friend enemies to friends to lovers, all mixed into one. Asking that classic age-old question and we will be asking ourselves this too at the end of this episode can men and women really just be friends <laughs> according to this movie no but <laughs> but we'll be asking that question celebrating this movie this is one of my favorite movies period so i'm very excited to be talking about this one but before we get into that just a quick housekeeping note that of course we are on patreon so if you want to support us, help us bring the content that you love, go to the link in our show notes or head on over to our link tree, click there. And for as little as $3 a month, you can support the show, get great bonus content. I promise you that American Horror Story episode will be coming your way. It's three hours long. So I let these bonus episodes go longer because I can take longer to edit them. So it's the first two seasons of American Horror Story. So it it is... So much fun. Even if you don't like American Horror Story, they were a ton of fun. I will warn you, we talk a ton about breastfeeding. <laughs> because if you've seen Asylum, you will understand why we talk about that. But yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. Okay, so I'm going to go around and ask my lovely panelists what they're into right now. Judy. Hi there. Yeah, so before I tell you like what I'm watching, a little bit of story behind like what prompted me to watch it. So I know we've all been just horrified in the last few weeks watching what's going on in Ukraine. And last week, um, so one of my hobbies is ballroom dancing. Last week I was at a dinner dance and the people who I was sitting next to just happened to be this Ukrainian couple who had just escaped um, from Ukraine the day after the war started. 
And we started talking about President Zelensky and they were just, you know, raving about him and how he came in and has really been like fighting corruption and he has so much charisma and they were talking about the complexities of this relationship, this weird relationship that Ukraine has always had with Russia and puppet leaders and all of that. And um, I knew that Netflix was putting servant of the people on for American audience, probably not just American audiences, but like worldwide audience. So, which is present the comedy that President Zelensky starred in before he was president, where he played a high school history teacher who surprisingly gets elected as president and he comes in and tries to, to fix some things. So, you know, it's obviously satire, you know, and it's obviously uh, a comedy, but they were like, you know, it's, it's fun. If you, you know, if you wanted to, to watch it, kind of get an idea of like how charismatic he is and the, the, the weirdness of the relationship there and the politics. So I have started watching it. I'm, I'm only about halfway through and it's really a compelling story. I mean, you know, it's a bit predictable, right? It's a comedy about an everyday guy who becomes president and does everything that you think they would do. They try to fight corruption where it's so, so embedded in in the politics. Even his, he even has to fight his own family. His own family's like, hey, let's take advantage of this. And so, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I'm I'm enjoying. I'm definitely enjoying watching it and and getting a glimpse into. The politics, not to say that our own isn't incredibly corrupt, but it's corrupt in sort of a different way. Um, and it does give give sort of an interesting perspective on the, you know, this how how he kind of got started and the political landscape that he's dealing with um, and everything. So, yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch so far. You know, it's a weird juxtaposition uh, as yeah. opposed to this horrible war that he is now leading his people through coming you know from not military experience experience being a comedic actor but i mean just goes to show i guess sometimes the right person can step up in incredibly you know difficult situation and just do the right thing so yeah i'd recommend it if you don't mind mind reading reading subtitles obviously but uh it's interesting so far Awesome. Thank you. And a uh, reminder that in our link tree, we do have a Google Doc with organizations uh, that you can support right now uh, to support Ukraine. We also have LGBTQIA plus organizations in there as well, because also what's happening in Texas and Florida is absolutely horrendous as well. And we'll also be highlighting a bunch of different organizations during our Saturday, this coming Saturday, March 26th, during our 12-hour marathon live stream. I'm shaking my head at myself again that I said to do this. But we're going to highlight a bunch of great organizations, all from, from helping Ukraine to LGBTQIA+, to Black Lives Matter, to a good autism organization, and, and to environmental causes as well. So just to let you know, and you can get stuff from us. And one person will win a signed um, Comic-Con magazine signed by a bunch of the cast of Supernatural. So lots of motivation to help people. And Megan, what are you into? Um, for me, I've been waiting for this particular movie for about a year and a half now. Like I caught wind of it about three years ago when I heard it was being made. And I was like, ooh, 
I'm excited for this because um, I heard a lot of different things that they were taking inspiration from Sailor Moon, some of my other favorite kind of animes growing up. And I was like, oh, this is going to be really good. Like Pixar is actually moving in the right direction. I'm excited for this. And uh, so it finally came out on February 21st, I think, uh, Turning Red. And it was the most wholesome, most endearing uh, movie I've seen in a long time. It's about an hour and a half. And it follows this uh, young girl, May Lee, and she's just 13 years old now and going through some changes. And we just get to follow her through this and see how it affects her relationship with her friends, her dad, her, her mom, especially, um, as well as with herself and what she wants to do when she grows up. And... It, it definitely touches on generational trauma in a way that uh, Encanto did, but in a different way, uh, especially from a young girl's perspective. And I think that's so important because those are the fundamental years where we start inheriting certain traits from our parents, as well as like trying to fight against them and be like, you know what, we're our own person now. So I, I highly recommend it to anyone who, you know, kind of experiences that in their family and just kind of wants something that like shows like, hey, like this is natural. This is normal. We can uh, work through this the way this family did. Uh, and it's just especially cool because, I mean, they turn into red pandas and who does not want to hug a big furry red panda, especially the mother. The mother's like this huge, ginormous red panda. And even though she's kind of crazy and a little bit mean, I still want to hug her because I think she needs a hug. <laughs> um, but um, you even see the aunties because they have aunties on the show. And I feel like Pixar does miss out on that a lot, the extended family and how important they are. So it was really nice to see them. And I hope they get their own little show in the future. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this is the I think this is the second week in a row that has been mentioned, just like with Encanto was mentioned, like basically every week for like a month. So, yeah, yeah. And this is Erin. And what I'm into is, even though it was for prep for our Oscar episode, I'm still going to mention it. Uh, the movie Coda, it's on Apple TV. So you have to have Apple TV. Like you have to subscribe to it. You don't have to have an Apple TV. And Coda is, you know, which that stands for Child of Deaf Adults. And it's all about Ruby, who is the only hearing member of her family. She has a, with her mom, her dad. And um, her brother are all deaf. And so she has always kind of served as their interpreter, their, you know, helping them through life, helping um, translate, helping let them know what's going on and all that. And she's in high school. She's a senior in high school. And it's all about her wanting to sort of break free from that and feeling like an outcast in a way. And then also, you know, feeling so responsible for her family at such a young age. And it's really, I love it. I think it's amazing. Um, I, I know a lot of people say it's too wholesome and too good, whatever. I cried at the end. I And it's, and what's also, what I also appreciate about this, and this is a remake um, of another movie where the original, they cast some hearing actors to play the deaf characters. In this movie, every deaf character is played by a deaf actor. And that is so so important. Of course, the most famous one is Marley Matlin, who plays the mom, but it's just so important. We need more of that. So if you're going to have deaf characters in films, please make sure they're played by deaf actors. That's so dang important. So another reason I appreciate it. Okay. So let's get into When Harry Met Sally. Uh, so I know this is hard. This is a hard question to ask. <laughs> 
just you could probably just say the whole movie. But Judy, I want to know what three of your favorite scenes are. Yeah, this was definitely hard. <laughs> I, there's so many just even not whole scenes, but just great tiny little moments like the mailbox moment. I just I love it. You know, just little moments and the way New York is portrayed in this. I just love it. Love it. But since I had to pick three, um, the first one is when we first see um, Harry and Sally and they're you know, traveling across the, the country together and they go to eat in that restaurant and Sally does her ordering thing. Um, she orders everything on the side and the, the pie heated up, but only if there's whipped cream. If there's not whipped cream, don't bother heating it up and strawberry ice cream instead of vanilla or no ice cream at all. Like, just such a particular order. I love it to death because it's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I am kind of, I've, I've, I think I've chilled out a little bit over the years, but I've definitely um, was a Sally orderer. Um, in fact, my ex and I used to have a big joke about that. And he would, he would call me Sally sometimes whenever I was ordering in a restaurant because his favorite thing was if you could point to a menu and say, I want a number seven. Or, <laughs> He liked to order my number and I ordered everything on the side or no pickles or no lettuce or whatever. So that was very relatable and, and an important part of that conversation at that, that table. That's the first time that they really start talking about the can men and women be friends, mm -hmm. um, you know, the question for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's just a great scene. I also love the scene where uh, their friends, Jess and uh, Marie, are getting ready to move in together. <laughs> and they're fighting over the awful, awful table, the ugliest wagon table ever. <laughs> and of course, Marie doesn't want it. And, and Jess thinks it's, you know, this classic antique piece of art or something. And uh, Harry loses it. You know, he just found out that he's, uh, his ex-wife is getting remarried. He loses it, has a little temper tantrum on them at talking about how when you split up, you guys are going to argue over this ugly table and every book, put your names in them now because you're going to argue over which book is which and every spoon and every movie and, and all that. You're going to fight over them someday. And that's, again, a relatable thing for anybody that's either divorced or even just split up in any kind of a relationship. Like, it's so hard once you you blend your life with somebody to to um, to detangle it. It's hard and it's painful and it's it's difficult. So it was just just a, another really relatable scene. And then I also love where he, where they go. You know, Harry and Sally go outside and they have a little bit of a blowout with each other, but you can see the character growth because Harry like is able to listen to her and quickly forgive and apologize and just you know be a little bit vulnerable um so yeah i, I love i love that that whole scene and carrie fisher yes <laughs> when, when she delivers the line it's something like i promise you i will never <laughs> want that wagon wheel table like uh carrie fisher is fantastic <laughs> yes yes she is she's amazing in this in this movie so yeah because we are definitely going to talk about jess and marie as well because i thought it was important to talk about them too yeah um, definitely my second favorite role of carrie fisher's obviously you know she's our she's our pretty uh, princess our queen our yes. you know, general <laughs> but um 
you know, this is, this is my second favorite role of hers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. And the third thing is I love the big love confession. Um, you know, when Harry tells Sally how he's feeling, you know, of course he, the running down the street, the, <laughs> That would have had me winded. It's such a rock, right? It's sweaty and, oh, you know, New York's a big place. <laughs> Unless he was just a block away. Um, but, you know, it's just such a, such a quintessential rom-com moment. And don't we all love those? And I love Meg Ryan's reaction. Like, I think she acts it perfectly where you can just see her warring with her own emotions like she she loves him but she doesn't want to (laughs) she Mm wants she wants to still be upset and hurt but at the same time she wants to believe that he he's changed she wants to trust him but she's afraid to like she's always been a very you know closed off and cautious person about her feelings so it's a big thing for her to accept that at all so when she does that little um her words say one thing, but her face and her eyes say another, uh, where, you know, she says she hates him, but she doesn't, she loves him. It's, it's just, it's just beautifully acted and, and really perfectly done. So mm-hmm. yep, I'm a sucker for a happy ending in a rom-com. So yeah, it's another favorite moment. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and it's one of the other reasons that I love, um, the, in um, the Mindy project, they do a send up of that at the end of season two. Wow. And it's one of the best finales, season finales ever. And it should have been the series finale, frankly, but it was just beautiful little homage to that as well. Uh, so Megan, what are three of yours? Um, so I'm going to start with the fact that Sally, Sally is um, her way of ordering food, because that was also on my list. Just any time, though, it's like any place she goes to, whether it be the diner, a really nice restaurant, uh, the sandwich place, like it's always a very specific order, <laughs> like no regard of the other people behind her or what's going on. She's just like, yes, this is how I will eat the sandwich and we're going to prepare it exactly this way. And um, watching her build her sandwich in the one. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Just the way she does that. It actually makes me hungry, but and then I also loved at the beginning of the movie where um they they're uh sitting in the car and or well Sally is and she's getting ready to leave, like she has her, all her stuff and everything, and then Harry comes up with I don't even remember her name. And like they're making out against the car. They're saying all this sweet lovings and everything. And you can see she's getting impatient. She's huffing. She's breathing a little hard. She's looking in the back mirror. She's like, oh my gosh. So she just kind of very casually just honks just to interrupt them. And I was like, I would have done the exact same thing. It was so relatable. Because like, we got to go. Time's a ticking. I don't like driving at night. <laughs> So I understood completely why she wanted to get going. Um, But following that up, I think when we see Harry and uh, Sally meet each other at that airport and they just kind of have this moment where they kind of recognize each other and then they're like, oh, and it clicks. I absolutely love that scene because then he's just following her incessantly and like, how have you been? What's been going on? And all this stuff. Cause in normal circumstance, that's very creepy, but that's how I knew she kind of was interested in him. Cause even though she was annoyed, she was still very much like, Oh, well, I kind of want to know blah, blah. And he's like, I can't remember the girlfriend's name or whatever. And she's like, 
she was going to correct him and then she realized she couldn't remember it either and i think that was my favorite moment because i was like that is i'm sorry but it's a shitty friend to have your other friend take him across the country or wherever to go to new york and you're not there you don't no mm -mm, absolutely not so i wouldn't remember her name either i guess she wasn't that great of a friend <laughs> um <laughs> so and then when she does remember it's like this joyful moment for her even though it just it didn't even matter because they made that connection again. I always thought it was really sweet how he even then chased her um, initially, even though he was with someone else and she was with someone else. He very much still engaged in that chase because I think he was always interested in her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great scenes there. And I'm I'm so glad that some of mine are, <laughs> are left. I had a bunch written down because I was like, I better write a bunch of these down. You know, this is also really early on. It's the same first time that they're eating together. And when she starts talking about the underwear, it's like, that's why she, that's why her boyfriend broke, that's why I broke up with her is because she had the days of the week underwear. And we when all he had ends, days of the week underwear, those were the best ones, though. I, I love them. Know, I don't think I ever had days of the week underwear, I honestly. <laughs> I had then, them and they had the little roses in the bow. Like, <laughs> And I was like, and he gets all suspicious, like, where's Sunday? Where's Sunday? Where's Sunday? <laughs> like, they don't make Sunday. And he didn't believe her because of God. I just, <laughs> the way she says that Meg Ryan, there was a reason Meg Ryan was like the queen of romantic comedies because she is so good. She was like, when I was young, she was my favorite actress because she just knew how to do this. She knows how to be funny without trying to be funny. And she knows how to get the romance and how, I mean, her eyes are so expressive. Like in the love confession scene, Judy, she's very, you know, like you said, her words are saying one thing, but her eyes say everything. So yeah, yeah. I just, I love her so much in that. I love the karaoke scene <laughs> so much. <laughs> when Harry's ex shows up there and they're trying to buy that at Spencer's Gifts and she's singing Surrey with a fringe on top, which if, but, you know, if you've listened to some of our past episodes, I when we've talked about musicals, I've talked about how much I love Oklahoma. So that's another reason I love that scene. But just the way she's singing and when she gets really into it and she doesn't realize he's noticed her ex-wife. And, and she's, she's so toned up. Yes, she's so bad. But I love it because she's so bad. If she had been really good, I don't think it would have been as funny and it wouldn't have played as well. And then when she just keeps talking in there, oh, it's because I'm so bad, bad. And then when she says the name it's another one of those every single romantic comedy i want to say that we have talked about the three that we've talked about has a scene like this where everyone hears something over a loudspeaker everybody gets quiet that you don't want everybody to hear and i think it's just i don't know i think it's played really well i love the way that she does that and of course it leads up to those great scenes that judy talked about as well um and then i love the museum scene when they're in the museum and it's right, you know, they're they're in the midst of their great friendship and they're talking about, you know, going out and and um, Harry is doing all those funny voices and the pecan pie. I can't do it. <laughs> and you she's doing it. <laughs> and what I love about that scene, in case you didn't know, that was improv. Billy Crystal mm -hmm. improv that. And so when you watch Meg Ryan in that, she has a moment where she's laughing. She's like, I can't. You see her look off screen she's probably looking going am i supposed to just continue on with this 
and she does eventually. But I love that because it's really funny. It's this really funny, sweet moment. And then when she says she can't and he does in the funny voice again, what do you got a hot date? And she's like, yeah. And you see her get uncomfortable. And it's one of those first moments you see that even though they're friends, there's kind of that thing where they're kind of uncomfortable talking about how much they like dating other people or when they're going to be going out. So it's this little first inkling you get. And I just love that. I love those little scenes with them. There's quite a few of them in the beginning and once they become friends, but yeah. Yeah. So, and there were like probably a hundred more I could mention, but <laughs> those are definitely three of my favorites. Okay. So we're going to talk about Harry and Sally first individually, and then we'll talk about them together as friends and a couple as well. So um, Judy, I'm curious, do you prefer one over the other or do you love them both? the same amount I, I mean I love Sally and I think it's just because I'm like I especially when I was younger I was mm -hmm. so much like Sally I think I've like, chilled out <laughs> over the years but I was fussy as I'll get out um I was one of those people who absolutely organized my movies by genre and would create a card catalog <laughs> for them my closet mm -hmm. was color-coded like yeah, I was, I was kind of a Sally. So I love her. And even some of the things like how guarded she is with her emotions. I've always been kind of like that stoic person who no matter what I'm feeling inside, I'm pretty good about like covering it or only, you know, letting people see just, just what I want them to, to see, you know, the way that she, especially in the beginning wants to absolutely control you know, make the universe bend to her will instead of taking life as it comes along. Another thing is very relatable. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I love Sally because I, I, I was Sally. Um, I mean, there's definitely things, you know, of course that, that, that bug me about, <laughs> about the character, of course, you know, like how how guarded she is like you can see how much is going on underneath in her eyes and her face because she is expressive but she's so guarded and keeping it all you know all in so um yeah she she would be my favorite but you know harry harry's a lot of fun harry is a hot mess um in the beginning i i don't like that he sees women as objects um as conquests really and um I think he doesn't even really believe that, you know, love is, is a thing that would be even for him, that would be attainable for him. And probably doesn't even really believe in it for anybody else. Like I, I get that feeling that he's just like, nah, it's all, you know, it's all just physical. So I think it's interesting that it takes someone to flip the script on him. And it's not even Sally. It's really Helen that does yeah. it to him um, that causes him to have some, some character growth and to realizing that it, you know, it does hurt to, to, to be that person who was disposed of. And, um, so I think that that's really the catalyst for his growth. So he kind of meets and be, and befriends Sally at, at the right time, you know, when he is able to, to show some vulnerability, because before that, uh, I, I think if he hadn't had his heart broken by Helen, he never would have realized what it, what it's like to, to, I don't know. I don't think he could really um, empathize with other people. So yeah, um, I, I don't, 
I don't relate as much to Harry as I do with Sally. I mean, I think he's an adorable character and I love him to death, but Sally's my favorite. <laughs> Megan, do you have a favorite? Is Sally your favorite or Harry? Or... Um, Harry is actually my favorite. Um, so I guess I could provide the counter view. <laughs> That makes a more interesting podcast. Yes, it does. It <laughs> <Yeah>. does. <laughs> um, so I think the reason that I love Harry so much is because you can see he is inherently romantic, but he is also uncomfortable around women because, you know, he went for a degree that was, I think, mostly men. So he used to grow up, you can tell, around men and was just surrounded by men. And he was like, oh, I'm supposed to be like them and go get the pretty girl or the girl that will give an easy snog, like all these different little things. Um, and then he met Sally and he's like, she's kind of interesting and he can't help but ask her all these questions, all these incessant questions. And I remember when like I would like someone, I would always do the same thing where I would just ask all these questions. because I was just curious because I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be more like them in that way and just understand their way of thinking, especially how she orders foods, uh, how um, she has her dreams and what she thinks about all these like very personal questions that even set Sally off of like, oh, I don't know if I want to answer that. Like, why are you asking me this? He's like, but please, like, I have to know. Um, so I think I like that about Harry is that he's very persistent just because I was always very persistent if I really like someone too. And um, it's hard to find that in people, especially nowadays versus then where it was a little bit more, we didn't have the phones, we didn't have uh, Tinder and stuff like that. So he made that push more so than anyone. Um, and I think he is a great example of character development because Sally wasn't afraid to be like, look, you're being a big baby right now. Like you're absolutely being a child. And he would have these tantrums, but then you'd see him realize like, I'm acting like this. Why am I doing this? And then march off and deal with this broodingness all by himself. Um, so I really liked his character growth in that way. And I also love how he broke down at the end. He's like, I really do want to love. Like I sat here running away from it, pretending I didn't, but like, there's a reason why I always was chasing after it, whether it be my ex-wife or even uh, with the new date when he was supposed to go meet Jess, he was really trying. And then even with Sally, like he was like, you know what? I do need love in my life. Like I need to be more open to this. And this is the woman I want to be with and enjoy all her little quirks. Like his whole monologue, like you can tell he felt those things for many years because that came from a place where he's thought about it mm -hmm. for a long time. And I think for him, his feelings were a lot... Um, I, I want to say he's liked her longer than she liked him necessarily. I think she mm -hmm. kind of knew she liked him, but she also was like, no, like I have other options. I'm beautiful and fantastic. Whereas he <laughs> was very much like he hopped onto the next train, but he was also like, I just want to be able to be friends with her and get to know her. Like I want to challenge my ideas, but I think it's because of their friendship that they became so great together but in Sally's case like I think Judy covered it perfectly like she is guarded but so expressive and so loving and he also challenged her to look inward and be like look like maybe these people aren't treating you that great especially uh Joe um when he didn't want children and then she found out he had kids with someone else and that completely shattered shattered her because she wanted that with him he was like you know he just wasn't the right guy like, you really need to find the right guy for you. Uh, granted, obviously, that led to things that shouldn't have happened, but um, <laughs> it happened and it caused them to look inward on both of them themselves. But I think Harry did hold 
her to a standard of like, you deserve better. And I've always liked that about him. And I think that's why he's my favorite is that he also sees himself with high confidence and he brings up her confidence too. He encourages her to be more her. And I always love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard for me to pick a favorite. I think Sally edges out Harry just a tad. Uh, and it's probably just a lot of that is to do with my love for Meg Ryan and her in this role. She's just so they're both great, but she is just so amazing in this role. The way she carries herself, the way she walks into a room, uh, the way she dresses her outfits in this movie. Yes, it's the 80s. With the exception of her bride's made outfit, I think everything she wears is I love everything she wears in this movie, honestly. She no, looks so I comfortable. She tried to make her character's um, clothing timeless because she always yeah. wanted the, her movies to be timeless. So you're not going to go back and watch them years later and be like, oh, you know. So that's that's <laughs> kind of a Nora Ephron thing if you watch all of her movies. Yeah, I really love that they did that with her because even in today's fashion, I feel like it's definitely coming back from that era of fashion and it's really nice to see it make a return. <laughs> Yeah, and she looks so comfortable. It's like watching someone really comfortable in their skin and then comfortable in what they wear. And I always, you know, it was one of the things I envied about her character. I was like, I want that wardrobe. And even when I watch it now, I'm like, I want that wardrobe. And I think that's the same way, which, you know, is fitting because it's Nora Ephron. I think that's the same way in every one of Meg Ryan's characters and everyone in Seattle and yeah and you've got mail yeah all of them are just so classic looks yes yes very much so yeah yeah so um but and I did the thing with the movies I wasn't I'm not like that with the ordering thing but the movies thing definitely any media that I've ever had like books movies I always want to organize them a specific way they have to look straight that's changed a lot over the years but it used to be that way like they'd have to be lined up perfectly and everyone would be like, this is really ridiculous. What does it matter if these are out of order? I'm like, it matters to me because if I look at them and they're not in the right order, it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> so I related to that so much when I was looking through there and saying, you got these indexed? And she's just like, well, yeah. I'm like, yeah, what? what's wrong with that? I think that's Oh, I bet I she makes her, friend check, her friends check them out like library books when they borrow her. her. <laughs> Actually, at the time, it was probably VHSs, but... Yes, yes. <laughs> Didn't she DVDs, say she but... had a catalog, though, that she kept track of where everything was specifically? <laughs> I could have sworn it was like a little notebook, like because they were on the phone talking, and I that's what she said. Like, I have a little notebook, and I keep track of it. Like... <laughs> I would not be surprised, because that's very, yes. But she's got such a great heart. She's a really good friend, like a really good friend. Not only to Harry, but to Marie, and uh, you know, it's she's just very giving um, of herself. But yet, you know, she does have her walls up. She is guarded. She is. I think she's like she really wants to give herself to somebody, but she doesn't want to lose her freedom and her identity. And I think she's worried if she gives herself completely over to a relationship that she will. And I think she constantly struggles with that. Uh, and she's funny. She's really funny without trying to be funny, without even knowing when she's being funny. And I just, I love that. And I love the how she calls Harry on his bullshit all the time. And she's not afraid to do it. And uh, like you said, Megan, I think that's part of the reason that Harry likes Sally so much is because she's not afraid to do that. And, you know, she's not like, 
intimidated by him in any way. She's not intimidated by a lot. And I appreciate that about her too. I think she has fears, of course, but um, I don't know. She's not, it doesn't come off as intimidating or like she's intimidated by people around her. Um, but I do think she does have a little bit, I think some of the walls up are not just about wanting to, not being afraid of losing her identity, but I think they're also, there's some insecurity there as well. I think she's kind of always felt like, even though she's gorgeous and beautiful and wonderful, like kind of like second fiddle somehow, I, I kind of always got that impression with her. So I think she struggles with that as well, but, but I love her. And then Harry, Harry is so kind of neurotic. And I mean, the fact that he reads the end of every single book in case he dies, it's like. <laughs> I used and to do that he, a lot. He, he really <laughs> calls himself dark. Like he loves to talk yes. about how dark he is. Like, okay, dude. <laughs> and he's not <laughs> dark at all. Really. I mean. I think it's just kind of funny that he reads the end of the book and yeah. and he's very much tries to be a man. Like he's always trying to be very much a man. And yeah, the way he tr talks about women in the very beginning is really icky, but uh, it doesn't make me not love him. I love his character. And Billy Crystal, you know, when we talked about While You Were Sleeping, I said, you know, Bill Pullman is not your typical romantic lead. Uh, neither is Billy, Bill Crystal, Billy Crystal. He is not the typical person you would think of when you're thinking of a romantic comedy and casting someone. You wouldn't go, oh, Billy Crystal, of course. So it was interesting watching him in this role where he is the romantic lead. And it's not something you typically would have thought of with Billy Crystal. But he does it really well. And he knows how to sort of play off of Meg Ryan where he's kind of He's very giving and he's also, I think, trying to push her to be even funnier and to trust her instincts even more. And you can see that. And I think with Harry, what he brings with Harry is I think when Harry's trying to be funny and he's doing like the funny, goofy voices, to me, that's pure insecurity. I think Harry's actually a very, very insecure character. And I think that's where a lot of his neuroses come from. A lot of the way he talks about women comes from is he's very insecure and, of course, of course, Helen made him a thousand times more insecure about himself, about um, if he is a man. I think that was another thing is he felt like, how can I not keep this woman kind of <laughs> or make her happy, make her satisfied, uh, that kind of thing. And I think he struggles with that a lot. But I think uh, with Sally, I think he kind of gets a little bit more confidence in himself. Um, and I don't think with any, I don't think he would have ever been able to do the running through the streets thing with anybody else he'd ever been with, except for Sally. Like he wouldn't have taken that leap or trusted that en enough. So yeah. Okay. Now I want to talk about their relationship, both as friends and as eventual partners, which we don't get much of that part of it, of course. But Judy, what are your thoughts on, on their overall relationship together? Um, well, you know, it, it's always best to be friends before you jump into a relationship, right? Like I, to me, those make the best relationships. Friendship should be the groundwork for, for a good relationship. Um, I think they're adorable together. You know, you were talking about like Meg Ryan. Oh my gosh. She just shines on the screen in everything that she's on. Um, and, and I, uh, she was one of my favorites too. Like I just loved her and everything. It's kind of sad 
you know, that she sort of drifted away from the public eye. And I think maybe that's because of a lot of the surgery that she got. And the age, uh, <laughs> frankly, it's yeah. Hollywood. They don't yeah. like women over 30. True. But I mean, you know, you see people that have kept their authentic look, you know, a Helen Mirren and a Meryl Streep and, and people like that, that are still able to get roles. But if you get a lot of surgery and kind of look odd, you know, it, it, it takes away from your um, marketability, and unfortunately, because again, I, I just loved her in so many roles. Yeah, so I thought that they were adorable together. Um, I like that, that, you know, their their relationship gradually built over time. I, I, I'm definitely, that that's something I'm always a sucker for. I'm, I'm not a fan of second or third date jump into bed. You know, to me, it's like, really? And, or, and, you know, that, yes, we're in love. We just met. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It can be fun to watch and, and it's entertaining, but. To me, I'd rather see um, a, a depth and, and of a relationship build up, um, so so people actually know each other. I love that they genuinely cared about each other, cared about each other's feelings, and knew each other. So they kind of knew what they were getting into whenever they, you know, finally did um, get together in the end. I do think it's weird, you know, how they have the little interviews that they said three months after that New York uh or new year new year's eve kiss that that's when they got married i'm like no no <laughs> that engagement should have been longer <laughs> I'm sorry. especially with sally <laughs> right yeah like maybe if they had showed them as an old couple and you know like maybe done old age makeup on them it's oh yes we stayed together for you know 40 years after this but I don't know that that interview was a little too soon after their their rushed wedding. I'm 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 not a hundred percent confident in this marriage. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually an, a great interview on YouTube with uh, Rob Reiner and Nora Ephron where they talk about this movie. So if if you love this movie, look up that interview. It's great to watch. But one of the things that they said was in the original ending, they both had them not them just being friends, them staying huh. friends. Um, but because this is Hollywood and it's a rom-com, you know, the thing, they get together, right? That's that's what, that's the ending that the audience expected. But both of them said that they actually liked the the ending where they stayed friends better, which I think is, is mm -hmm. interesting. I would love to see that, love that alternate ending. So I'm I'm a little torn. I mean, I love I love them getting together because as I said before, I'm a sucker for happy ending. I love love. I love these rom-coms, even though I know they're ridiculous. But I would I'm intrigued by what a friendship ending would have looked like as well. Yeah, I am too now. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to really think about that because yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Interesting. So Megan. That one's got me thinking. Okay. I know. <laughs> Well, yeah, it comes back to the question, can men and women yes. be friends, you know, and this, this, this movie ended up taking one path, but it's sort yeah. of, could, it definitely could have taken another. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to have to rethink my little thought process here. <laughs> um, because I do, I do love them together as friends. That's the thing. It's that's my favorite part of the movie is seeing them like battle through their emotions in their everyday life, but also maintain this friendship and like setting boundaries. I think that's so important. The fact that they were both able to do that, that's incredible. And I think it's, it's a sign that yes, 
women and men can be friends and it shouldn't be any question because we are all human. We have the same kind of similar experiences. However, when they did get together at the end, yeah, it got my feeling, especially the monologue and how she's reacting. Like it, it's just such a great moment. But I also do wonder if they stay friends, like would we get like a flash forward to the future of them? Like, you know, maybe being neighbors or something, or like they go on walks together and like go to the grocery store and they kind of still bicker the way they do. And they're kind of like an odd couple <laughs> to a certain I degree. Like, <laughs> I, I could totally see that in my head. And I'm just like, yeah, I think I honestly could have preferred that just because I did love how comfortable they were with each other. And I think it is a sign that they should have been friends. Um, not to say that relationships, they should start uncomfortably or anything. It's just, it can be a little <laughs> bit harder to fall into that when you've been friends for so long. So it does make sense to me personally of like, yeah, like I would have loved to see them. Like maybe they go to a class together where they learn to cook or something and they're a little bit older. Um, and it would have just been nice to see that ending where they both do their own separate thing. I, I think that would have been very wholesome, too. But I understand Hollywood does not like that. Hollywood always wants them to always get together. And don't get me wrong, that moment was explosive. But I also think it would have been heartwarming to see them in the future a little bit and doing cute little old people things. I would have loved that. And to see Sally once again make a crazy order, <laughs> like just one yeah. last time. <laughs> Wedding cake. Yeah, wedding cake. Chocolate on the side. Exactly. Coconut wedding cake. Oh, that actually sounds good to me. Coconut cake, though. It would be very. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it'd be hard to do it for that reason. I was about to say the structural integrity. I questioned it, but you know what? If she knows what she's doing, she knows what she's doing. Okay, I trust Meg Ryan. Like, it's fine. Just Sally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just Sally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to think on that one more. I like that thought process, Judy. But I'm gonna hand it over to Aaron now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm really gonna have to rethink things because I I wonder about that because you know, in all honesty, I I will say I, I actually was a guest on another podcast like last year, uh, talking about this movie, and I think I even said this on there that in reality I do not know if this relationship would last because even though I wanted them to get together, I love the final scene. I was so happy when they finally had sex. I, I, when they finally kissed and then like, I even love like the look on Sally's face right after his look is like <laughs> pure horror. What did we do? Uh, but I love how happy she at first looks and like, Oh, this is what I've wanted to do forever. But I think their bickering and their differences, I think they might end up, and I hate saying this because I love both of them, but I think if they had stayed together, they might even end up hating each other. Like in the end, kind of having this like, I don't know, like, I don't mean to turn this like <laughs> dour, but I think that their differences might become too much as a relationship wise. Um, and I think they might butt heads too much. And I, but I think their friendship is perfect, which is interesting because you'd think if their friendship is perfect, then of course they'd be perfect as romantic partners. But I don't think that's always the case. While I think it is very, very crucial to like the person you are with, like I've said before, you can love someone and not like them, um, I, it, which is, I think, bad. But if you can be friends with someone and you like them and you love them, that is what you need for a relationship to work. 
And so that part is great in this because they do genuinely like each other. They are genuinely friends. They genuinely care about each other. They are each other's best friends, really. And I think that part makes it be like, oh, this will be a great relationship that'll last forever. But I, I don't know. There's something in me that thinks in reality, this probably wouldn't be that way. And maybe they would have been better off just staying friends. But their friendship is so great because they tell each other everything, I think, for the most part. I think Sally is more vulnerable with him than she is with anybody else. And the same with Harry. I think Harry feels like, you know, like he even says, I can tell her things you know, I can get a woman's perspective on something and tell her these things that I'm not thinking about how to get her into bed. And so it makes it different. It makes it, I don't know, a better friendship, a better relationship. So I can, I think he grows to appreciate women more because of his friendship with Sally. Uh, if they had slept together when they first met, they would be enemies forever. They would have never been able to be friends. So I, but I think sleeping together later after they are friends makes more sense because of the fact that they've built that foundation. They have a strong foundation. Yet, I'm not sure if it would survive their relationship. I'm, I'm so mixed on this now because I love them together. And I love that ending. But at the same time, oh, I don't know. It, you know, the romantic in me would really hate if this had ended with just friends. But then the person who thinks logically, that logical person in me would be like, this relationship is never lasting past like maybe maybe nine months. <laughs> That's why I said I kind of wish that in their in their interview scene that they had aged them up and yeah. shown mm -hmm. us that they made it work. You know, they that this is them thirty years later or something instead of because all those other couples had been together for decades yeah. and then you know they were this one young couple. So I, I would have liked to have maybe I mean aging makeup is hard, but they do do it. Right. I would have liked to have seen them maybe age them up a bit and show them 20 years later, still together, still mm -hmm. finishing each other's sentences, whatever. I think that might have helped to show the audience that it worked. I agree. I agree. I think that would have been better. And yes, saying they got married three months after that, it may, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't care that you have known each other for years and you've been friends for years. That still seems a little bit ridiculous for this couple at least i'm not saying there aren't couples that that would make sense and with someone like sally in new york you're gonna play oh, yeah and in months. new york too yeah yeah i mean and <laughs> sally i mean with sally she how in the world would she have survived the stress of trying to get a wedding together i don't believe it yeah <laughs> never she would have never been able to handle that stress or that pressure i think he would have been fine with it but sally is just that's not her so mm -hmm. yeah that is a little bit kind of ridiculous but it is a romantic comedy, and these are the things we do kind of forgive them for, is they aren't reality necessarily. <laughs> I mean, you know, like we talked about with while you were sleeping. I mean, they knew each other for like a week. <laughs> and then yeah. they and they were then he proposes to her. So it's right. like, oh, God, <laughs> <laughs> but this is why we love these movies. I do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and this is why people don't like these movies too i want to say i think that's part I of love it. hate you know? 
Yeah, there are some I don't like, but I will always, you know, I, you know, horror may be my number one genre, but I love romantic comedies because I am a romantic at heart. So there's some good ones out there. Um, Erin, I do have to go though because I do oh. start work earlier. Today. Okay, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. Well, um, well, thank you, Megan. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, I enjoyed this, and I'm excited to hear the rest of this because Judy turned my life upside down. Um, it's, it's like 15 minutes long or something, but it's, it's adorable. It's really neat. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we're going to get to the other couple in here, Jess and Marie. And Jess, of course, is Harry's friend and Marie is Sally's friend. And the way they meet is they're actually trying to hook each other up with the others. So Jess is, so Harry's setting Sally up with Jess and Sally is setting Harry up with Marie. And then they end up, Jess and Marie end up like each other and, you know, everything. Um, So what are your thoughts on this couple overall? Well, you know, I already mentioned Carrie Fisher. Yes. She was just amazing. She's just so Mm -hmm. funny as Sally's best friend. Um, and I, I love that the spark that brought Jess and Marie together was her quoting something that she had read of his. That's just, I mean, if, they, if those two weren't the secondary couple, that would be such a great meet cute, you yes. know, even for like a main story. Just, I love that. That's just a neat way to show that, that a connection, that they've got mm-hmm. that instant connection, almost, almost a fate kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I loved that, the, you know, that little magic moment. And I think that it was absolutely hilarious that at their wedding speech, that they thanked Harry and Sally for being completely unattractive <laughs> and uninteresting <laughs> to them. That was just like such a perfect moment. Mm-hmm. Um, man, Nora's writing is so great. Gosh, I I wish she would have written more, you know, but I know we lost her, her young, but mm-hmm. um I, I do hate that Jess's or um, Marie is having affairs uh, or an affair with a married man. Uh, this it's just icky, you know. And I, I I don't like that. It makes her character a little less sympathetic. So I kind of wish that maybe instead of dating a married man, they had made her um, just date lots of men. You know, kind of like a is it Samantha? You know, what, the Sex and the yes, City Samantha, girl. Yeah. yeah. I wish that they had maybe kind of done that with her or something because I just, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, some of the idea of dating a married man and it's just kind of yucky. So not my favorite aspect of her character, but the fact that the two of them got together because of that cool spark that they had in the beginning and, um, you know, finally found that person was, was pretty adorable. So yeah, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if they had, you know, because they could have her owning her sexuality and being a strong person. Like, I didn't watch Sex and the City, but like the character of Samantha and done that without having, because I think that's what they were trying to show with her is that she was like this strong one who just 
you know, she didn't need to have a relationship. And they could have done that without making her be someone who, I mean, you know, that scene where she folds down the paper because, you know, the page of the yeah. Rolodex because she finds out the guy's married. Like, it's like she's seeking out married men. Yeah. And that's kind of icky. icky. Yeah. It is kind of icky because, I mean, you know, yes, there are open relationships, but this definitely wasn't that case. It was right. her having an affair. And you get the feeling this is a pattern that she goes after unavailable men and ends up falling in love with them. So it would have been better if it would have been someone who was just like free with her sexuality, didn't need to be tied down. And then she happens to meet someone and falls in love with him, you know, and that that would have been, I think, a little bit better and not as icky for yeah, seemed like an odd person for yeah. somebody as fussy as Sally to be friends with. Because Sally was That's so true. like she had such high standards and morals and everything of her own it, it you know it just seemed like an odd combination there that's that's true that's true yeah yeah but but yeah Carrie Fisher is Carrie Fisher was was amazing and she was so good in this and she delivered some of the way she would deliver some of her lines was perfect and I just really like this character a lot, putting aside the the fact that she <laughs> loves married men. I still love this character. And I think she was great with Sally as well. I think Marie and Sally really played off of each other really well as well. Um, and I do think it's funny because you wouldn't, what I love about Jess and Marie is they have that great meet cute. It is a meet cute. It really is. But it never feels, it feels so real. Their relationship, I think, is the most real relationship in the movie, honestly. It's just so natural. It's like, yeah. oh yeah. And you wouldn't have necessarily put them together before seeing them together, but then you see them together and it's like, this makes perfect sense. These people were always meant to be together. It's one of those kind of couples. Well, yeah. you said fate, you know, exactly. Just that yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I do, <laughs> I do love their wedding though, <laughs> for many reasons. I love the Harry and Sally scene at the wedding too. I think that's great. Uh, great scene but yeah i love when they say if we would have found either of them remotely attractive. <laughs> and the, the fact that they were so bored at that at that dinner i date. know it was so funny they were trying so hard to be interesting uh-huh uh -huh. uh -huh. oh, god get yeah. me out of here you can yeah. just see it on their faces I know. And then you instantly see that they are very into each other and not just because she quotes him back to him, but also just their chemistry is there pretty undeniable. And yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that they at first are kind of like, okay, we're not gonna, we're going to wait a couple of days and not hurt Harry and Sally, but then they instantly like, Oh no. Yeah. Let's go. Let's get a camp. <laughs> it's like, just like, <laughs> and the looks on Harry and Sally's faces. <laughs> It's priceless. Okay. <laughs> oh, great, yeah. great acting, great moment. Yeah, clever, yep. clever way to do that. Yes, yes, yes. I would have been, you know, it would have been cool to see a Jess and Marie uh, couch scene. I think that would have been oh. nice to see too, just to see where they were. Because this is a couple that I do think would last. I think they could last very easily. So, yeah. Now, you may have been wondering, listeners, in the beginning, why none of us mentioned the famous Cat's Deli scene where Sally fakes an orgasm because um, everybody knows this scene. I decided I would take it out of that conversation and do just a separate segment on it because it is such a well-known scene. Even if you've never seen this movie, I think everybody knows this scene. Everybody knows the line of, 
I'll have what she's having, which, of course, if you don't, didn't know, that's Rob Reiner's mom that says that line, by the way. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to single this one out, the Cat's Deli scene. So, Judy, I'm sure you love this scene. Everybody loves this scene. <laughs> Your thoughts so, on this one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go back and talk a little bit about that interview that, that mm -hmm. I was watching with, with Rob and Nora. Um, first of all, it's... It's incredible to watch the two of them riff off of each other because you can picture them as one of those couch couples. I mean, they weren't a couple couple, but the their their writing relationship was mm -hmm. very much like one of those couch couples. It was so cute. Which she's he was like, well, here's how it happened, and she's like, no, 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 that's not it. It happened like like it's adorable to to watch them riff with each other like that. And this scene is, of course, one of the ones that they talked about in there and um they talked about how this came from their own personalities and they were actually just having a conversation over dinner or whatever it was and maybe in the office and um he was saying that you know he had always satisfied women and then and she said something about no but women all fake it and he's like no nobody's ever faked it with me and She's like, trust me, all women have faked it. So somebody has faked it with you. Like they literally had this conversation and he was like, oh no. And he, he was like literally upset about this and like ran into another room where there happened to be a bunch of female employees. And he's like, gosh, now I would get, you know, HR would be after me for saying this, but I walked into this room and there was like six or seven of them. And he's like, okay, I need to ask you guys, have you ever faked an orgasm? Because Nora is saying that everybody does and I don't think anybody ever has with me. And they were all like, yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it blew my world up. It's it's an amazing interview. It's an amazing it's an amazing thing. And so yeah, I I love the scene so much. Um, definitely the cherry on top is Rob's mother saying, "I'll have what she's having." Yes. And the other funny thing that he was saying about that in this interview is, you know, she's not an actor or anything like that. She was on set one day to you know watch her watch her son do his job, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to?" You want to be sitting, you want to be an extra and you have this one little line. And now she is in the IMDb list of top 100 best lines ever, Rob Reiner's mother. Uh -huh. <laughs> so fantastic. So, um, yeah. And, and audience, the, the other thing that they talk about in this interview is audience reactions. He said that... Um, when they've when they went and like watched it in audiences or when they kind of you know did monitored how audiences reacted to this scene he said that was one of his favorite things because the women were all dying laughing and just getting it and the men were all stone-faced silent like <laughs> really <laughs> but i thought <laughs> and now of course it's a thing but the, in the 80s nobody had really talked about that before and certainly not in a movie and whatnot that's what gave this movie of the ridiculous r rating that it has but um yeah so uh even in even princess diana when they showed it to her so you know she, she they were in this like formal setting and she had you know she did her little <clears throat> you know little giggle i guess or whatever and 
she was sitting next to um, Billy Crystal. And Billy said she leaned over to him and said, I would be laughing much harder, but everybody is looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So this scene is just such a classic. Uh, Every woman can absolutely relate. We've all faked it. I, I just... And watching Meg Ryan do that in a diner is just a like, head exploding moment. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a favorite. It's gone down in history as a favorite, of, you know, of not just this movie, but of, of any movie. Like you said, it's famous across the board. Mm-hmm. Misha and Jensen from Supernatural have reenacted it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that? No, I don't think I have seen that. Google it. Yeah, on YouTube, there's there's they were at a um a Justin Bellow years ago, probably 2000. It was like one of Misha's first years, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know how Justin Bellow, that's the that's the one the convention that they do in Italy. They give them like props and prompts yeah. and things like that to keep to keep their uh, panels interesting and funny. And one of the panels, uh, one of the prompts was, will you two reenact the Harry and Sally scene? And they did, and it was cute and clever. I wish they had switched roles because for some reason, Misha, uh, oh gosh, Misha did the, Misha did Sally, but as um, like a Russian man or something. <laughs> it's, it's awkward and hilarious, but... Yeah, that scene <laughs> is famous. It's been redone. It's been talked about. Tons. Yeah. So I love yeah. it. And go watch that interview with Robin Nora. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to link that on our on our social media yeah, for sure. So yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I can also link the Jensen and Misha thing too. I would prefer yes. to see it reversed too, actually. And I haven't even oh, yeah. seen it, it but I'd prefer. so good reversed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, this scene and and my other favorite part of the scene is at the very end when she's done and she just takes a bite of food and the way she just does it so casually like, see, yeah. nothing. That was. Yep. <laughs> yep. And she was so believable. And she was. Like, oh, gosh, and he guy. was just and his face just he changed. He's, he's so crest. Role. Yes, he's so crestfallen <laughs> in that he's just like, oh, my, and, you know, it's that which is probably like you said, what Rob Reiner was going through when he's realizing, Oh my gosh, this happened to me. It's like that. Oh my gosh, really? I'm not as great as I thought I was. And I mean, since every woman has done it, it's not a reflection on men. It's just a reflection on, well, in a way. (laughs) It is because if you, if you look statistically women who are with women, um, don't have the same problem. (laughs) Yeah, so it is, but you know, it's a it's a group thing, and yeah. but yeah, it's it's classic, it's amazing. I know that Meg Ryan was a little bit intimidated to do it at first, especially I think her other I think intimidation was the fact that it was Rob Reiner's mom right there, and she's <laughs> doing it in front of and all these people. I mean, that had to be a little bit intimidating because she is amazing in that scene. That's an incredible scene. If you were to like just play that and you didn't have the lead up and no one was in the room watching it and you were just hearing the sound, well, people be like, what are you watching in there? <laughs> <laughs> they said they won't they they wouldn't play it on airplanes. 
Because, oh, really? You know, airplanes used to have oh. like one big movie that they would show mm-hmm. and they wouldn't show that scene. <laughs> oh, people, come on, man. We are so puritanical. It's like ridiculous. And I also love the scene because this is Sally doing this. And Sally is not someone you normally would have thought of to do that. Right. But it fits her, actually. And it's another one of her ways of calling out not just Harry, but men in general, but calling out Harry on his bullshit male ego thing, you know? So yeah, it's, it's classic. It's amazing. And that's why I just wanted to single it out because I'm like, if I don't single it out, everybody's going to mention it or one person will and everybody like, ah, dang, I wanted to mention that. So yeah. (laughs) And now we're going to go to, we've talked about the couch couples, the couches and the couch scenes, of course, because they had sprinkled throughout this movie um, you know, real life couples and them talking about how they met and their relationships and everything. So I just wanted to know, uh, do you have a favorite of those? I do. Yeah. I just adore the couple where they were high school sweethearts and then his fam they lost touch because his family moved away. And then 34 years later, I think it was, they just happened to be crossing each other on the street and, like it was still there instant spark which is amazing because if you think they went mm-hmm. from being seeing each other in their teens to seeing each other in probably their 50s that's a big difference i mean well it looked like I, I did when i was 18 or whatever um so it's just this you know what an amazing spark and amazing i almost fate right that they must have had together to to I don't know, to, to be able to, to see each other and have that much of an attraction still all that time later. And then when they look at each other and, you know, they're like, it, you know, you were still just as beautiful and you were still just as handsome. There's just adoration in their mm-hmm. eyes. And I, I just love them. Yeah, they're my favorite couple. <laughs> that's yeah, that's actually my favorite, too. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I also love uh, the one where they're like, you know, they were born in the same you know, hospital, they grew up in the same block. They did all these. And then they met, meet each other in like an, there's in an elevator. In Chicago. Yes. Yes. In Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't know that. I also love that one too, because it's, I mean, all of these are about fate and, you know, destined to be together. So yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to mention, and I love these stories in between, I want to say, because I don't know what adds something to it. It adds like this realness because these are real stories um, and I, I guess actually, I don't think, I think actors were relaying them, but these were actual real stories. These are actually real okay. life. Um, I believe I was just double checking that. And I think it's actually like real stories, but other people are reenacting them, I believe, but I could be wrong about that too. But I think that's what I just saw. Um, and that's what I love about it is these are real stories. These are not like romantic comedy tropes, although they are, I mean, some of these way these people meet are like total meet cutes. So it's like seeing those in real life. And so when you're Reminds watching. You that everybody's got a story. <laughs> yes. You and, know? Yeah. And it makes you kind of go, okay, maybe soulmates are real and maybe this stuff is real and it really does happen. So yeah. And I love those so much. Okay. So <laughs> there's you- the one where the, the guy divorces the wife and oh, then yeah. has like five or six other girlfriends in between oh, and yeah. gets back with the wife and she remembers all their names and he doesn't. <laughs> That's right. Cause he's like, Oh, that was this one. It's like, no, no, that was, yes, that one's great too. One's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. 
I don't know if I'd want that story, but no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Judy, we're going to ask the question that this movie asks, can men and women be just friends? Wow. That's the question for the ages, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, in, in this movie, they did become friends. Um, but sex does get in the way. Right. And, and then, mm-hmm. um, Harry called it the very first time that they met, you know, that, that they can never truly just be friends because sex will always get in the way. And of course it did. Um, they ended up together in the end, but I mean, I have had male friends in my life, um, that there, there wasn't that, you know, sex thing. It's usually though, when one or the other of us is in a relationship, right? Because it's easier because that that takes away that factor. Or at times when I've kind of put it out there right at the beginning that I'm not looking for a relationship, you know, it kind of takes mm-hmm. that um, chemistry or whatever. It takes that away that will she, will they, won't they, do, does she, does she not. So then you can just kind of relax and be friends. So I think you can but i think it's hard it's definitely it's definitely hard um and and i don't have i can't say that from a man's perspective like i don't know because i know that some of some of the men who i have kind of put that out there like you know try try to say it without even necessarily exactly saying because you don't want to like you know yeah i don't even know how to explain it you don't want to just be like dude back off i'm not interested but you know you just kind of put out that vibe that i'm not looking i'm not looking to date right now or you know whatever let's let's just be friends without you know friend zoning or whatever you call it um not a thing everybody (laughs) right right (laughs) um but i definitely have even even in those situations gotten some vibe back from the guys that like if i hadn't that they either would have asked me out or that there was some, you know, maybe you have a little bit of disappointment there. So yes, but also there, there kind of often is just this undercurrent. So I don't know. It's a hard question. It is a hard question. I've, I've had tons of male friends throughout my life. I want to say when, um, when I was younger, I actually, liked being friends with men more or guys more than I did with women, to be honest. And I had some closer relationships with men. Um, but I, but there were moments and you would have those moments of like, if you were ever in kind of a vulnerable state emotionally, or if, especially if there was any time when you both were drinking or you're both out dancing or both that where there would be some moments of (laughs) yes there definitely was that there and I know you know even when I wouldn't want to admit it there would be friends I would have crushes on and just would kind of try to ignore it it is helpful if one or both of you are in a relationship I think that does help some although then you can run that risk that depending on how secure yes the other people are that there is that jealousy I'm putting the work uh, yeah. out there too, because work, I, I'm not even counting all the male friends I've had at work, right? Because yeah. those, are, those are different, you know? That's, that's true. That's <laughs> I true. I don't where I eat. 
that's I mean, that's that's true. That's true. And, you know, I will say a lot of the male friends I had, it was a lot when I was really in theater and involved in theater. And I don't know. I mean, and I think and, and in acting and, and when I've been involved in any kind of film community, there never seemed to be a thing of like men, women separate it. You were always sort of together. So I don't know if that's kind of a different sort of vibe there of because you're, which that's work too. That's a job too. But you'd also have after work time where you'd be hanging out a lot, uh, talk to each other a lot. I'd have a lot of times where I'd be the only woman. I used to go play poker at a bar every week and I, nine times out of 10 would be the only woman there. Um, and, you know, now I think about that. I'm like, it's weird that I was, I never felt like uncomfortable because comments would be made constantly, but it was just kind of like this thing. Um, and then of course I've also had a lot of gay male friends in my life, but that is different of course, because there isn't that, that thing. Although I will say I've had a lot of gay men in my life that are very obsessed with breasts. (laughs) I will say that I'm not trying to make a general thing. I'm just saying a lot of the gay men I've had in my life. We're very much, I've had him be like, why don't we just make out for a little bit just for fun? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, No, but because I don't want to start having feelings for you. (laughs) That's another thing where sex gets in the way of friendship, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's uh, so it's, I think men and women can be just friends, but I do think that you can always run that risk depending on if you're attracted to them at all. And even if you're not, I think the more you get to know someone, you can end up with that friendship, end up finding them extremely attractive if you end up liking them a lot. I think that also can be a risk. But I do think it's possible because I've had lots of male friends that I ended up, I was never attracted to them, you know, so you know, it, it, it can happen. <laughs> it's possible, but it's, it's, it's very possible. It's, it's complex. It's definitely complex. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So thank you so much, Judy. I love this movie. And I want to say to everybody that um, I've decided going into next year, we're going to end up having like different like months that will be set aside for every year we will visit certain things. Like, of course, we're always going to have Christian fucking bail month every January. That's, that's Christian's month. Um, we're always going to be celebrating him unless he does something really awful, which don't do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I've decided we're going to start visiting more romantic comedies uh, in the coming. So that'll happen next year. Probably in May is when I'm thinking we'll have, that'll be comedy month. So we'll talk about romantic comedies and comedy shows too. So So this is not the end of us talking about romantic comedies for sure. And we're also going to be talking about The Princess Bride later this year. And I argue that's a romantic comedy. Me too. And it's my all-time favorite movie. So excited. (laughs) Yeah. So that'll be be a blast to talk about that one. Okay. So Judy, if you want to let everybody know where they can find you. Sure. Um, Yeah. I'm on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over. And then Instagram at Ballroom Blitz Geek. And both of those are all one word. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. 
on TikTok at It's a Fandom Think Pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, feel free to reach out to us at It's a Fandom Think Pod at gmail.com. And just a quick reminder that this Saturday, March 26th, starting at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, so that is 9 Pacific, 11 Central, 12 Eastern, going until 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 9 Pacific, 11 Central, midnight for Eastern. We are going to be doing, I'm going to be doing a marathon live stream. We're going to have great podcasts on. Um, we're going to have, um, of course, Bed, Wet, or Behead, Sort of Brilliant, which is the Harry Potter podcast where they sort characters into houses. So they're going to be doing a mini sort bed wetter behead. We're going to play a mini bed wetter behead with three characters from 911. Um, not sure yet on the characters, but that's what we're going to be doing there. Uh, we're also going to have Sudden But Inevitable, Green Shirt Podcast, um, Big Reputations Pod, my podcast brain twin Jen from my streaming bubble. She's going to be on a couple times, but she's going to be on talking about her podcast not sure what she's going to be talking about yet either, as well as a few others, but it will be announced soon. And then Nerd Alert News is going to be on, and they're going to talk about an upcoming convention. They are doing virtual convention. I think it's just going to be virtual. And then we are going to be doing a movie review, my Finn crew, uh, my Finn Whitrock crew, and that's Aaron A., <laughs> Jen, my podcast, Brain Twin, and Susie. We're going to be reviewing, and I've already seen it, I'm not going to say much, except for I never will look at snails the same way again. But we're going to review the movie Deep Water, the erotic thriller <laughs> from Adrian Lynn, who did, of course, Fatal Attraction, Nine and a Half Weeks, one of my favorite, and then one of my favorite movies, Jacob's Ladder. He hasn't done a movie in like 20 years. So I have a lot to say about this. So we'll be reviewing that and <laughs> talking about that. We're going to do a podcast episode talking about entertainment conspiracy theories. So I'll be talking about Ryan Murphy birth month conspiracy theory. <laughs> so if you have any, let us know. Then we're going to be talking about ghost stories. And that'll be at like 8.30 Mountain Standard Time. So I will be so loopy by that time. I don't know how those stories are going to go. And like I said, we're going to be highlighting organizations throughout. We're going to be making uh, big reveals, a couple of big reveals, a new logo, and then another very exciting one. And we're going to have games throughout. We're going to play best of videos during the times when I need to take a break <laughs> for a few minutes. So it'll be fun. So just come watch me go loopy for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> and then next, uh, and then our next episode, on our next episode, it'll be our Oscars episode we're releasing. We already did that. We already recorded that as a live stream, but that should be a blast. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter, and Stop Asian Hate. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? 
because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.